Do you have limited money to start a business? Bootstrap funding is a concept and solution you should embrace. This episode discusses methods to launch a business without seeking external funding. Our favorite tools for entrepreneurs podcast addresses tools and concepts that are useful for the launch and growth of entrepreneurial ventures. Your two hosts will be Professor Gary Palin and serial entrepreneur Ryan Budden. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing today? Fantastically. What about you? You're having another good day. Things are going well. Great. Well, Ryan, today's topic is one that I'm very interested in. That's bootstrapping a company. And that's a term that if you're not directly involved with entrepreneurship, you may not be familiar with. And its origins go back to about the 19th century, at least the most common perception of the origins. It revolves around the expression, pulling oneself up by one's bootstraps. In the 19th century, there were high top boots and they were literally pulled on by tugging on the ankle straps. That has morphed into a business term of starting a business using only existing resources of the individual or founding team and running the business, building it lean and mean, being very tight with your expenditures. I've never really found a clear description of how it morphed into bootstrapping businesses, but that's the common consensus of where the original term was, pulling oneself up by one's bootstraps. That's funny. Hard to get boots on. All you've got to do is tug on the corners. <laughs> what are your thoughts from a entrepreneurial fundraising component of starting a business the concept of bootstrapping. Yeah. So I've done businesses both ways, bootstrapped angel venture funding, just funding of all different types. And it really depends on who the core team is, what assets you already have in that core team. So if bootstrapping is going to even work for you and what the long-term and short-term goals are of the business, obviously it's going to take a lot longer to get to a, some sort of inflection point through bootstrapping but you're gonna maintain a lot more of the equity involved in that business venture by doing it yourself and slowly building upon building blocks before you take on funding or exit the business. Whether you are viewing this as long-term as you always want to own 100% equity or you're moving to the next stage of angel funding or venture capital, by initially starting off with bootstrapping, ultimately you're able to retain a greater percentage for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The earlier you bring somebody on more equity, they're going to expect because the more infancy the business has in it. So they're not positive of the outcome. So it's a higher risk for them. They're going to expect more from you. Early money is more expensive in other words. Yeah. That's a great way of summing it up. I am prejudiced or biased towards bootstrapping and it revolves around a personal desire to have more control as I move forward. Because as we've spoken about in the past, when you start bringing in investors, there is a control influence and that can be problematic. Oh, it absolutely can be problematic. Money can be poisonous to an organization, depending on when it's coming from. It can also be the lifeblood of the organization. And with your expertise in the industry, I can see that you could be partial to it because you know what those next steps look like. And I'm actually partial to bootstrapping as well. It's typically how I like to get through the beginning phases of the business, even if the intent is to bring on money later down the road. You and I are uniquely situated with understanding the growth of the business and having those resources on a small team to be able to make that happen. Let's address someone that doesn't have that depth of experience. 
One way to overcome that instead of looking for external funding is to develop a board of advisors. Absolutely. And I would highly encourage someone, especially a nascent entrepreneur, to develop a board of advisors, even if it's informal, because they can help you with their experience to move in that direction. When I look at early stage ventures that don't have a lot of experience, the board of advisors is absolutely crucial to that. A lot of people are really intimidated to set something like that up because they've been involved in other forms of business where it's eat or be eaten is sort of the mentality. And entrepreneurship is really different. At least in my experience, people are very willing to help. Everyone's kind of been at that beginning stage. People are pretty passionate about it as a whole in the industry. So reaching out to people that you admire, have expertise in specific areas is a lot easier than one would think. And when I think in terms of bootstrapping or going to external funding, there's a couple of things that I look at. One is how much funding do you need? So for example, if I'm looking to do a biotech firm where you need millions of dollars before you can develop whatever product to bring to market, I don't know many people that can bootstrap that. That's exactly right. Whereas if you're already coming out of the textile industry and you know you have the skill sets to make a new t-shirt and a new design, you probably could bootstrap it pretty easily. Part of the decision of what type of business to start can revolve around what type of resources do you need to start off. If it's a service base, then that makes it much easier. But even say, for example, a textile industry, different type of t-shirts, how much can you outsource versus buying the equipment and manufacturing yourself at the onset to get going? Absolutely. And even if that's not the long-term goal, if you want to bring it in-house, can you get a product that represents what you're trying to go after done externally? while you build up the funds to be able to afford something that's in-house. And you can use that to develop the MVP or minimal viable product, which we've addressed in a previous podcast, but that helps prepare you as you move forward to be more venture ready. Yeah. I'm cognizant of somebody listening is probably saying, okay, I understand the benefits and what bootstrapping is. What does that actually look like inside of a venture? How does bootstrapping occur from day one of idea generation until end point? It's a great question. I do want to touch on one point before we move into that direction. The second issue that I want to talk about with the decide to bootstrap fund is the window of opportunity. How long is that window of opportunity? And for those that aren't familiar with the term, just literally think of there's a window in front of you and you go through the window for the opportunity. What's the length of time that window will be open? So if it's a short window of opportunity and there's potential competition coming in, you might need to go to outside funding faster to accelerate the growth of the business. That's a good point. How competitive is the industry? How niche is what you're doing? Can you retain the secret sauce that we've talked about? Or is that something that's going to be easily duplicated or copied by somebody else? Now, to address what you were referring to, there's different methods of funding. Typically, it's owner financing using your personal income and personal savings. But if you don't have that, then that makes it a little bit more complicated. You can borrow against assets if you own a home, for example. Personal debt using credit cards, which I don't recommend, by the way, but that is a method. Keeping your day job, which we've, again, done another podcast on moonlighting, and both of us are not a proponent of that. Right. You can live off your spouse's wages. I'm not going to make any comments on that, but that is an option. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. 
there's other ways too. You can do consulting work. You can look for sweat equity. You can make strategic alliances with other individuals instead of paying them for their services, make trades with them. So there's different ways to move into bootstrap funding if you have no money. Yeah. And my favorite of all is pre-sales. Yes. Go and test the market. If you have a good enough product and you're really confident in it, go try and sell it. And then just set the expectation of what that delivery is. And oftentimes it's a good reality check. Can you actually sell it? Are people interested? What's their feedback? I don't recommend anyone gets into really any sort of business without at least attempting some sort of pre-sale or some sort of market verification, which often looks almost identical to pre-sales. And that's a great way of selling the product maybe under what your starting price is going to be, bring some funding in it, have that understanding of the early adopter feedback cycle. It's oftentimes the easiest path of least resistance forwards particularly when you're comparing it to building up credit card debt or taking a spouse's income that could be a very stressful situation. I agree. The pre-sale is great and lowering your price is a great strategy. I would caution someone to label that as an introductory pricing so yeah. that when you do bring it to the normal level, there's not a sticker shock by people that have been buying. So they anticipate that this is our normal price, but we're giving you a pre-sale discount. Yeah, absolutely. And just obviously make sure with any sort of pre-sales that the expectation of when and how it's going to be delivered is very well defined. The last thing you want to do is make a pre-sale. They expect it next week and three months later, you're still developing whatever it is. Yeah. And depending on the type of product, you can literally get the pre-sale to be with minimal sales coming in, but with the expectation that they are helping you develop the product. And then once right. it's fully launched, you have a company pretty much as a customer and that can help you get a funding later on because you have one or two customers already in play. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can show those long-term contracts and there's all now, sorts of funding strategies based around being able to show contracts for future sales. Now, another area, if you're starting with bootstrapping, you have to be very cognizant of your expenses. So you can lease or borrow equipment versus buying equipment buying equipment, are there fire sales? Like for example, furniture, you can get at a deep discount if you're not looking for brand new furniture. Right. So basically you want to be frugal on all of your expenses. We've looked at the cash flow statements as a way to run the business. So being hyper vigilant of what that cash flow looks like. You can't spend the money until you know it's coming in. And that's what that cash flow statement is going to show you. So you can only grow as fast as money is coming in the door. There's a couple of consides to bootstrapping before we wrap up. I think we should address one is you have a higher probability of having cash flow problems. If your sales don't hit expectations and you only have limited amount of personal resources, that can be a big problem. Also, if you are doing this with partners, equity issues can arise problematically if there's disagreement as you move forward on type of efforts. Definitely. The been there, done that? Been there, done that. That's for sure. The risk of failure can be high as you're dealing either solo with a small group. And that brings your stress levels higher than stress levels from launching any venture. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Those are basic issues of bootstrapping that I see. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up on this? I would just say the growth trajectory. Bootstrapping nine out of 10 times is going to be slower in the over 
all progression of the business than it would be to bring on traditional funding early on, alleviate some of those cash flow problems, be able to hire or develop products internally before the income has to support those activities. That's the trade-off basically is accelerated growth versus retaining greater equity and greater control. That's absolutely right. I think that's in it in a nutshell, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Ryan. You have a great day. You as well. Great talking to you as always. Thanks. Thanks for listening to our favorite tools for entrepreneurs podcast. As always, you can head over to profspirit.com to check out more resources and courses designed for you, the entrepreneur. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and others to get the most up-to-date information as it is released.